Content warning. This series will discuss topics that may bring up painful experiences for you. Please take the time to surround yourself with good medicines. If need be, pause the playback and go for a walk, stretch, have a glass of water, and come back to the show when you feel comfortable. Welcome to the Métis Speaker Series. I'm your host, Darian Kovacs. On this podcast series, we will be exploring learning, healing, and rebuilding within the Métis community. Our goal is to create awareness of and generate discussion about Métis issues, as well as how to heal from and move forward in a healthy way. We hope to reduce Métis invisibility in BC through the personal stories from our Métis community members. This show is brought to you by Métis Nation BC and Jelly Marketing. Daryl, thank you so much for being here. This is a real honor, and we can actually jump right in. So, Daryl Fox, for those folks that just by chance have not heard of Terry Fox, they haven't driven through Coquitlam, they haven't maybe maybe even lived in Canada very long, that could be one, one case, or someone that maybe by chance just had yet to have the opportunity to be a part of a Terry Fox run. Who is Terry Fox? Yeah. Do we have an hour? <laughs> I'm lucky enough to be Terry's not so young, younger brother. And I was given the incredible gift of being part of the Marathon of Hope in 1980 and traveled with Terry during the tender age of 17. So, and I witnessed a miracle. I witnessed Terry run a marathon every day on an artificial leg. And Terry was diagnosed with osteosarcoma at the age of 18. When he was diagnosed, he had never heard of the word cancer. So it was a rude awakening to see not only what he experienced, but what others around him experienced going through chemotherapy treatments. And he made a promise at that time in his life that if he ever walked out of the cancer wards alive, he would never forget those he had left behind. And that's where this crazy idea of running across the country surfaced. And it took over 5,000 kilometers of preparation, training for the Marathon of Hope. And in, on April 12, 1980, Terry started the Marathon of Hope and he ran 3,339 miles during the Marathon of Hope. The nation embraced him. He had a goal of raising a dollar from every Canadian. And before he passed away in, in June of 1981, he realized uh, that goal, but didn't actually finish the run. He had to stop in Thunder Bay because the cancer that had claimed his leg three years earlier returned. And so that was a, a devastating moment for the nation and for us as a family. But Terry, you know, said at that on that day that if I'm ever able to get out there again, I will. But if I'm not able to finish the Marathon of Hope, it better continue without me. And that's what's happened over the last 42 years. Canadians have continued the, the tradition of raising money for cancer research. And we've raised over $850 million for cancer research over the last 42 years. Pretty cool. It's amazing. So I'm a little brother. I got two older brothers. So give me the perspective of what was going on for you. I imagine you were in high school at the time in Coquitlam. Is that correct? Coquitlam Senior Secondary. It was my final year of high school. I got a get-out-of-school free card. So that's what excited me about <laughs> being a, a part of the Marathon of Hope. I got to get out of school. But little did I know what lay for me out there on the road and to, to witness not only myself personally watch Terry run every day, I witnessed a nation watch him. And that was quite the experience. I am Terry's younger brother, and growing up with him, I always looked up to him. 
he was pretty average in every way. And that when we talk about Terry Fox, that's how we always start the conversation saying like, Terry, I mean, we tend to put him on a pedestal, but he wouldn't want to be there. He was pretty average in every way. He was average in terms of athletic ability and on an educational level, but he always tried his very best. That's one of the things that Terry Fox had in abundance was just never give up attitude. And yeah, that, he, he just took it to another level when he was diagnosed with, with cancer. And He's proven to me that limitations are self-imposed, that we can do anything we want if we set our goals high. And um, that's what I try to adhere to at this time of my life. Amazing. So going back in time, taking the DeLorean back there, when we see all those news clips and video shots of him running, are you running behind him at these things? Are you in the vehicle? What what were you doing as a 17, 18-year-old? Yeah, well, I think I actually ran further than Terry. (laughs) There you you go. Come on. (laughs) He was running straight. I was zigzagging, collecting donations. Not true. Not true at all, actually. I spent most of the time in the van trying to catch up on sleep. I mean, we were up every morning at 4.30. Like, for anybody that's early. But for a 17-year-old, not a very happy camper. (laughs) But, you know, we followed Terry's lead. He was getting up every morning at 4.30, and he wasn't sitting in the van. He was out there running a marathon. So kind of put things in perspective for me. Yeah, the days were long. He'd run a lot differently today if he had the technology that people run on today. But if you've seen Terry run, he had to take that extra hop on his good leg in order to allow his artificial leg to swing through. So it was a lot more effort and a lot more time to run a mile. So, you know, with breaks and he took, he would take a three hour break from nine to 12 during the day. He'd usually finish running about anywhere between three and 5 p.m. And then it was off to a community to share his story. Because the goal was to raise more money. So he needed an audience and he needed to share and inspire people to, to give. So at the end of the day, you know, seven, eight, nine o'clock, I was exhausted. Like I was completely <laughs> drained. And yet again, I wasn't running. Somehow, some way, he got up the next morning and did it all over again. And he did it for 143 days in a row. Wow. Defies logic. It was a miracle. That's what I witnessed in 1980, a miracle. And it's kind of cool to be able to talk about it. 42 years later, and, and the story still resonates because it's it's true. <laughs> you don't need to exaggerate the Terry Fox no. story. It's, it's pretty real and true just the way it is. And I want to get some like behind the scenes that we wouldn't normally get. What were you eating on the road? What was kind of the fuel for the team? Well, no energy bars back then. Yeah, no then. power, no, what, power <laughs> no, bars. Remember no, those? They came out in the late no, 80s. No, none of that yeah. stuff. No, no. But Terry recognized that he needed to consume mass quantities of of food, but nothing much to start the day because, you know, he was about to run 12 miles in the morning. But as soon as he took that three hour break that started at nine o'clock, that's where food would be placed in front of him and he would consume as much as he could. Doug Allward, who was Terry's best friend, who drove the band during the Marathon of Hope, I was the third member that joined up in in St. John, New Brunswick. Doug was given the title loosely of, of cook. But he was terrible. He's he like, he's he's the only person out there that can do damage to uh, canned beans, which he did. So we were always, I was always putting up my hand, hoping that there would be a donated meal at a restaurant around the corner, because otherwise we would have, and Terry would have starved. You know, businesses, restaurants were so generous. They always offered Terry free food and he ate whatever was put before him. So there was no limit to what he would consume during the day. Amazing. A lot of probably learnings and discoveries along the way. And and one of them I want to talk about is the discovery of your family's Métis lineage. Tell me about that discovery for you. 
That has been a, a journey in itself. And I think it adds just another level to this incredible story. And, you know, we did really, it originates with Terry's grandma, Marianne Gladue, or Marianne Wark, or Grandma Wark, who played such an integral role in our family. It is a large family on that side, on my mom's side. There are many, many grandchildren of Grandma Wark, and she was there at every birth. She was there at every marriage. She was there when things weren't so good, and that was the case when Terry being diagnosed with cancer. Grandma was there every step of the way. To look at her, you would know that she was Indigenous. She has that look in her, but she kept it a secret. We didn't know because she was very uncomfortable with talking about her early years because her earlier years were, were spent on Turtle Mountain Reservation in North Dakota, and she was very uncomfortable about speaking about it. But we always knew, and my mom always would recognize the First Nations piece. She carried a feather with her at all times in her purse. She, it was a, a symbol of, of that. But again, we weren't allowed to, to communicate or, or talk about it. And it was only after many years after grandma passed away that I cannot take credit for this. It was actually a, a cousin of mine that wanted to investigate and pursue it further. And we realized that here we are. We were Métis all along. And it helps to, I think it helps to explain the personality of Terry Fox, you know, many of the the core values that we identify our, ourselves as, as Métis were, were very much a part of who Terry was. And again, because of this incredible role that Marianne Ledoux played in our lives, it's, there, it's not a coincidence that Terry was Métis, I think, he, and he had this incredible desire to run across our country across the nation across the land and i think it's kind of cool and it's added a lot of a lot of layers to my life and again i've said how i'm not young anymore but to investigate and find out more about my history is something i i treasure immensely we have a lot to be thankful for you know your cousin it was my aunt when my grandpa passed away my aunt did a research and that's where we discovered our metis lineage that's it's very exciting Glad for people like that in our lives. For you now, the, this discovery of the Métis lineage and, and what it means to be Métis, how has that impacted the Terry Fox Foundation and, and your operations every year? We as family members are all considered members of the Terry Fox Foundation. And then there's also the Terry Fox Research Institute. So, you know, the, the story and our involvement is, is being passed down to the next generation. So, you know, we all have children now and they are being active in this, this identity. And, and the foundation em embraces it. And it's still relatively new. It's, it's recent. But last year, for example, it was so awesome to feature Terry's Métis heritage on the Terry Fox Foundation t-shirt, of which there were like 65,000 sold. It was a huge success. Huge success. And this is during, again, COVID times. But people wanted that t-shirt and they appreciate the story in it. I, I see it. I see it uh, on a weekly basis basis how Terry Fox, we call them Terry Foxers, our, our supporters and organizers are, are continually talking about this and adding this to, to the story they share when they're out there encouraging people to participate in the Terry Fox run. They're, they're, they're talking about Terry's Métis heritage and it's recently with National Indigenous Day, First Nations Day, uh, on the longest day, that, that was something that surfaced by the foundation. So we embrace it and we want to put it out there just how important this is to our history. Now. And this shirt from last year, those that maybe didn't get one of them, what, how did you acknowledge it or how did you involve the, the Métis-ness on that shirt? We used beadwork, which is obviously something that's very important to Métis. And we also chose two flowers, one from 
that represented North Dakota and, and a flower that represented our birth province of Winnipeg. And we featured that in the design. And of course, Terry was there prominently as well. And uh, we also included the Métis language on the shirt as well. So it, it included in English, French and Métis, which was kind of cool. And so and again, it was so well received. It is not exaggerating here. It is my favorite T-shirt. <laughs> so it, it, it states just how, how important it is to, to us as a family. And also, I noticed on the statues that are in front of BC Place, the statues that Douglas Copeland made, there's a, a plaque there now. Is that correct? Yes, that plaque was unveiled earlier this year, and that was quite exciting. I mean, we've enjoyed our relationship, this new relationship that we have, or I have with Métis Nation BC. They've It's been a, a wonderful few years of getting to know each other and they've been so welcoming and so helpful because again I'm I didn't grow up with this understanding of my Métis heritage so I'm, I'm learning and I'm, I'm not going to pretend that I I understand the, the culture because I don't it's a, a really steep learning curve but I really value how welcoming Métis Nation BC has been to us and it's uh, a relationship that I think will continue to develop over the years. And it's an important so one for us. Douglas Copeland, who made those statues at BC Place, did the shirts for this year. And I ordered a few. I've got a long sleeve. I've got a running shirt. I didn't wear it today, though, because if I sit in a unique way, Terry's face does different things. And I didn't want to freak you out as I sat here and his face wrinkled and maybe like he looked mad at you or something. <laughs> so I, That's cool. That's cool. If you know anything about Doug Copeland, he's a pretty clever, brilliant, creative guy. We've enjoyed that relationship. It, it actually goes back eight, 18 years now to 2004. Doug, out of the blue, approached me. And i be honest, I had never heard of Doug Copeland. Oops. <laughs> but quickly realized what a talented author and, and artist he, he was. And he was researching for a book, Souvenir of Canada 2. He'd already published one book. And... It was a collection of artifacts and photos, photo essays of, of things that define us as Canadians. And he wanted to include a, a Canadian in book two. And he realized that there was only one Canadian that no one would argue with, and that was Terry Fox. So, so he, he asked if he could spend time with the collection, the artifacts. We gave him the key, so to speak, and he came back and he featured in his book a photo of the sock that Terry wore on his artificial leg and never took off during during the run. It became a symbol for him of continuing on. And Doug also came back after visiting the, the artifacts with a, a stern lecture to us to say that we needed to do, to do something to protect the collection. And they also felt that there was an opportunity for us to work work together and do, and do something more. And it was in 2005 for the 25th anniversary that Doug authored the book, Terry, and it included images of artifacts from the collection, along with Doug's brilliant way of articulating and sharing the story behind those artifacts. And it was a huge bestseller. Doug designed, as we mentioned earlier, the Terry Fox Plaza at BC Place. And just recently, here he is this year, producing the Terry Fox Run Design, which was hugely successful when we released it in April. I took a photo of me in my shirt just to put up, you know, with Michael Buble and Moira from Schitt's Creek and the others that have decided to, you know, display themselves wearing it in black and white. But there's just a few of us that like wearing it. So it's, it's, it was a great shirt. I love the design. Uh, with that, it, and those that haven't heard of Douglas Copeland, if you've ever used the term millennial or Gen Y, 
or Gen Z. Uh, Douglas Copeland coined the phrase Generation X many years ago, and he is the origin person, the originator of that term, which we've since have used countless times and in many ways to describe different generations. Yeah, yeah. He's, again, I could go on for quite some time explaining how brilliant he is. And it's kind of neat whenever I have the rare opportunity to get together with him. It's a, I'm a bit of a sponge trying to take in his creativity and his brilliance for for all things. He really has a different way of sharing his perspective on things. And um, so he's a kind of cool, cool guy to hang around with. That's awesome. So I want to talk about Betty Fox's mom, Marianne, and the influence she had on Terry and you in kind of the early years. What was it like? What was she like in your life? What are things you notice about her? What did you remember about her? So I'm going to go back to, we were born in, in Winnipeg, Manitoba. And, you know, I thought my, my dad was pretty courageous to, at a young age, to move his family from Winnipeg and the comfort of being close to family to, to the West Coast because he, he worked for CN Rail and he wasn't happy working in the, the Winnipeg winter. So he, he wanted a, a, a new home for his family. So so that resulted in us having to, every summer or whenever we could, we would head back to Winnipeg and then also to Melita, Manitoba, where Grandma lived. And we would spend a week with the foxes in Winnipeg and we'd spend a week or so in, in Melita, Manitoba. And, you know, I, it just felt real natural for me to be there in, in Melita. Like small town, very small town, but grandma was, um, grandma was Terry. Terry was grandma. You know, when, when I think about stubbornness and courageous and, and overcoming challenges and, and being humble and giving all these, these words describe Terry, but they also describe my grandma. She was a very, very important person in my life too. Having, you know, worked for the foundation and now for the Terry Fox Research Institute, whenever I was in Winnipeg, Manitoba, I always had to add an extra day to make a trip down to see my grandma. It was difficult at times because she lived in a smoke-filled environment, <laughs> so she smoked like a chimney. But boy, she could cook. She could bake and she could cook and she could take care of you. And she cheated at cards too. She <laughs> but uh, but I, I valued those visits. They were so important because I knew I was hanging around a real important mentor in my life who was teaching me you know, good things about how to live a life and how to treat other people. And so I think that was grandma to, to a T. And I really don't think it was with a coincidence that Terry would pass away on her birthday, which is very interesting that that happened. And then Grandma passed away on September 12th, 2001. So, you know, 9-11, the day after. And uh, it was unbelievable that here we were as a family. That weekend was also the, the weekend of the Terry Fox run. And where were we that weekend? We were in Melita, Manitoba. Her Saturday was a funeral, and Sunday we were all, our whole family was there to participate in the Cherry Fox Run. So again, more than just a coincidence that that happened, that just was, speaks to the connection that Grandma had to all members of, of her family, including Terry. She's always there. Like my, I miss, <laughs> along with missing my mom immensely, I, I miss my, my grandma and the special relationship. And I think I'm just speaking of one Grand, grandchild as one. I know she had a similar relationship with all her grandchildren. It was unique and special, and we, we cherish her immensely. And so, Daryl, I know that you said 
you're much like me and many others who are just discovering their Métis-ness, their Métis heritage, you know, their Métis lineage. You're getting uh, you know, introduced and welcomed into this amazing family, this amazing nation. Maybe give me some of the, the attributes that you're seeing or some of the things that stand out for you that really excite you about being Métis and, and some of the discoveries you've made. It's cool to find out that in the late 1800s, we were buffalo hunters. Like we, <laughs> we were... There, there are members are of our family that were part of the provisional government of Louis Riel. It's cool that we go go back to that, but it kind of makes sense because of again how how I think as a family we find that we're more comfortable outside than inside. You know, we we're used to you know Terry ran across the country. I had an incredible interest in being out there too. I, I ran for most of my life, and now I well, this is a, a bike jersey. Now I. I ride a bike. I just have this need to be out on the land. I have this need to be out in nature, you know, climbing a mountain or, or doing something outside. And I think that speaks to what's inside me and what has been passed down um, in terms of that, uh, even though it was, wasn't was uh, shared verbally by my grandma, there was something that was being passed on to me and, and which was passed on to her. And I think it originates from, from the land in being part of that process. So uh, yeah, it's, it's something I I need to explore more. I, I'm trying to identify certain members of the family and see the lineage there and what they they were up to as well. But it's, it's going to be a bit of a process and it's going to take time and I got to fit it in, but I'm certainly going to, because to, it, it helps explain who I was and you know, finding out who, who I was. I'm also learning more about, you know, Terry and, and what he accomplished as well. That's awesome. And one other great collab between the Terry Fox Foundation and Métis Nation BC is the sash. Tell us about that. That was really cool. I wish that was my idea. It wasn't my idea. <laughs> you know, the sash is a very important piece in, in Métis Nation. And so to recognize Terry with a sash was was really wonderful. And, you know, it, it represents Terry's favorite colors. You know, red and blue are, are featured in, in the sash. And we actually put a, an image of Terry on the sash as, as well, running and with mountains in the background, which I think is awesome. So it's uh, it was exciting to be part of that that process, uh, along with other fellow family members, to produce the sash and to see how well it's been received as well. It's just been it's just been exciting. Very cool. And tell me about you and, and how you spend your days now. And I noticed you got a, a bike jersey on, not a running jersey. So tell us about that. What your uh, your future holds? I like Terry. Hated running. Hate running. I hate it. I hate it. Terry hated running too, but he loved the challenge of it. I love challenges. And so most of my life, 30 plus years of it, or have been devoted to running. But uh, not because of running related injuries, but because of a basketball injury, you know, tearing an ACL a couple of times, I, I can't run anymore. So I found the bike about five or six years ago. And, you know, it's funny. I can't, at one point I ran nine and a half years without taking a day off. I ran every day, at least 5K. Now I can't put two days together. So it's, it's strange how the body tends to, to, to wear down, but I can bike. I like to ride because again, I'm outside. I love to be outside and I can cover vast amount more territory than I could ever running. So, and I love, you know, gravel riding is awesome too. And there's so many wonderful places out here in Chilliwack where I can find four service roads and, and get out there and hear nothing other than nature. It, it's, it's really cool. And then also we've added a, a fundraising component to, we've added, you know, obviously there is the annual Terry Fox run, but we've created the Terry Fox Ride of Hope, 
And it started actually seven years ago when a friend of mine, where we were planning to do the Mount Terry Fox Trek. There's a mountain uh, just outside of Valmont named after Terry. And uh, it was a fundraiser, a hike up, up the mountain. And Brandon and I said, well, we're going up there. Why don't we ride there? <laughs> so, so we actually started in, in Sun Peaks, on Sun Peaks Mountain. And it was the 35th anniversary. So I said, well, why don't we ride 350K? So that's what we did. We rode 350 kilometers from Sun Peaks, just outside of Kamloops, to Mount Terry Fox, just, just outside of Elmont. Fortunately, four other riding buddies caught wind of our idea and they joined us. And they thought of, like, maybe we should bring some food. Maybe that might be a good idea. Maybe we need a support vehicle. If not, I think we'd still be out there riding. <laughs> so we, we were not prepared for it. And we enjoyed the experience so much that we thought, okay, maybe, maybe this is something we can do every year. And so every year we've been doing the Terry Fox Ride of Hope. We added 10K for the 36th anniversary and we did 360 kilometers. There was about 20 of us that covered that distance working together. It's about coming together, helping one another. And we raised 50000 Last year was the 41st anniversary. So we did, guess what, 410 kilometers in a day. And we raised almost $90,000. This year, we're dropping it back to 360K. So it gives us a, a chance to finish in, in daylight. It was pretty close last year. But it's just a wonderful experience, uh, people coming together. And that'll be July 9th. We'll be starting at uh, Terry Fox hometown square in Port Coquitlam and finding our way out to, to Chilliwack. So looking forward to that. And there are other rides that we're starting out to in other cities across the country, including Victoria. And also there'll be a ride in Okanagan and Vernon and Armstrong this weekend, which I'll be participating in Amazing. as well. Now, just to track it, Terry Fox, we have Terry Fox Plaza. There's a mountain named after Terry Fox. There's Terry Fox Secondary School in Coquitlam. Uh, what else is there named after Terry Fox you're aware of maybe that, that you could share? You know, what's interesting, Darian, is we don't, that's, just, that's not part of our mandate. Like if we went looking for recognition, I'm sure there could be so many things named after Terry, but Terry wasn't about yeah. recognition. You know, it was about raising another dollar for cancer research. So any of the recognition activities that come our way are because people want to continue to recognize Terry and it, and it continues to happen. You know, 42 years removed from the Marathon of Hope. There's statues across the country. I think there's 11 statues. There's a the Terry Fox Coast Guard ship. There are 13 schools named after Terry. There are so many roads named after Terry. Excited that um, there will be a, a new mural on University Avenue in downtown Toronto. So that will be unveiled probably next year. But we're very excited by that activity too, because that was such a big big day for Terry when he ran down University Avenue to Nathan Phillips Square where 10,000 people greeted him. So to have a mural there is pretty significant considering that a lot of the, the funds that we raised end up on being on that street. Uh, you know, University of Toronto, Princess Margaret Hospital, SickKids is, is also on University Avenue. So it just seems like the right place to, to have a large image of, of Terry running. So very excited by that. But this is something we do as a family. There's, you know, we come together when there are proposals to recognize Terry and we discuss them. And in most cases, we certainly give a green light and we're very active and engaged in the process of, of recognizing Terry when it happens. 
So I'm going to, I'm going to come up with one and this is for hope who I think is listening, who is the CMO of Tim Hortons, Canada. You've done Tim Biebs. We want some Terry bits. We want some uh, Terry Fox Tim bits or a Terry Fox coffee, right? Can we do that, Daryl? I got my Tim's right over there, actually. So that's how I start the day. So if hope came to you with this concept, would you be, would you think the family would say yes? If we, if we ran this tour, ran this fire? I think we would give that one a good think. I mean, okay. for us, it's about ensuring in terms of where there's a product involved, the concept involves having to, to make sure all proceeds come to, to TFF. Yep. I'm using an acronym, Terry yep. Fox Foundation, yep. but if that was um, satisfied, I'm sure we'd give it a good look. Yeah, a little, little Terry running around the box, right? Some imagery there. We can make it happen. I mean, if cool. Justin Bieber gets a box, why not Terry Fox? <laughs> so, Daryl, it's been a real honor to have you on the show. Thanks so much for sharing so many great stories and and just kind of where you're coming from and, and about the heritage and the family and the what it's been like to to join this incredible nation, this incredible family. Great. We really enjoyed the time. Thanks, Terry. Thanks everyone for joining us uh, this episode on Métis Voices, and we'll see you next time. This has been the Métis Speaker Series podcast. I'm Darian Kovacs. Thanks to Métis Nation BC for making this possible with funding provided by the Civil Forfeiture Office's Indigenous Healing Stream. You can listen to all of our episodes, learn more about the podcast, and sign up to the Métis Nation of BC newsletter to stay up to date on Métis News at MetisPodcastSeries.ca. You can find out more about the music we're playing by Love Life by visiting SoundCloud at soundcloud.com slash lovelifeofficial, L-U-V-L-Y-F official, and link in the show notes for your convenience. Follow us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or your favorite podcast listening device. See you again soon. Mina Kawapa Mitten. Thank you, Marcy, for listening.